Okay, so so you're saying Chicago's the biggest disappointment? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I predicted they would miss the playoffs they're, they're at the start of the year. So they're not really that big of a disappointment for me. Well, I mean, there's missing the playoffs, and then there's like but they're, seven points above Vancouver bad. But they're also only like seven points out of the playoffs. So they're kind of right there in no man's land where it's like you're not really like right at the bottom of the league to get a good player, and you're not really making the playoffs to make the playoffs. You're in that, that – I'll call it the Calgary Flames-Toronto Maple Leaf zone. Okay. Ah, yes. The the Matt Sundin Jerome Ginla era zone where, or like right after Matt Sundin left, where you're not really good enough to make the playoffs, but you're not bad enough to 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 get anything good in the draft. So you're just gonna they're, hang they're out in, in no man's ship. land and get shelled. Or, think of it like they're they're in a, a sinking little boat. And instead of just being like screw it, let's sink, they're like no, no, we'll keep, we'll yeah, keep trying you're, to Yeah, you're just close enough to dry land that you're like, we can make it if we just add this guy and trade away our first round pick. So I want to start off this week's episode with something that you said last week, Ronson. It was interesting to me what you said, and I didn't really pick up on it till I was editing the podcast. You said Nick Antropov only scored 291 points as a Leaf, and you seemed surprised, and I, I stressed the only part. So where do you think that puts him all-time as a Leaf scorer? Ooh. 82nd. Not even close. 37th. Oh, that hurts. Yeah, so... Oh, we were so bad It's interesting so that long. you're like, he only scored 291 points as Leaf. Yeah, but that's top 40 in Leaf scoring all time. I mean, Nazem Kadri uh, is, is only like, I think, seven points behind him, and JVR might get there too, but, like, I don't know. That's it's just an interesting little, little tidbit that... Uh, that I picked up on from what you said in uh, Who's That Leaf last week. Also, two weeks in a row that we've done a podcast, so congratulations to us. Yes, and oh, our stream didn't crash whilst you said that. Yes. It's a miracle. That's good. We have internet connection. Um, Let's move on. Okay, so that was, that's just an interesting thing that I I thought of. Uh, And so let's talk about the Leafs because it's been it's been a week. Yeah, it's been a week. Um, that is actually correct. Um, it has the Leafs play again tonight. The Leafs play again tonight. Uh, Curtis McElhinney is going to start, but uh, I think we need to talk about some of the stuff that happened. Can we this also week talk about the things in in the Leafs world? The things and the stuff and the places and the people. The first thing I want to talk about is that this week I came to the realization that Polak is Babcock's adult son. Um, yes. And just like the son of any coach, he gets preferential treatment. What if it's DJ Smith? Like, DJ Smith runs the defense, right? I honestly, I don't know how. So they... my understanding is Babcock is kind of like the head coach oversees everything DJ Smith runs the defense and other guy whose name I can't remember runs offense and power play. 
So technically, I think we should be pitchforks at DJ Smith, Memorial Cup champion for the Oshawa Generals. But, DJ Smith. but who sets the lineup? Mm, I don't, like, that. that's fair. Although I don't know, like, the lineup decision's fine. Polak's technically on the third pair. It's DJ Smith who keeps opening that but door and going, oh. But then if he's on the third pair, why does he get played so much? Well, because DJ because, Smith keeps telling him to get out there. So then he's not on the third pair. Yeah. We, t- we take our listings of pairings from what it's get what it gets tweeted out at us from people who cover the game. Yeah, fair. Fair, fair, fair. And fair, you said fair. something to you said something to me on, on Monday, I think this was before the Avalanche game. You said um that the Leafs are trying to develop young players and and that's why Babcock why Polak's getting played so much and why um, why he's used on the PK and and Komarov's getting so many minutes. And um, that was baloney. So if we're trying to develop the defensive... Yeah, I was like... so You said that to me, and I thought about it for a second, and I was like, but if we're trying to develop the young players, shouldn't we putting, be putting them in situations where they can learn from it? Yep. Like, what? Last night, for example... Okay, Polak and Hainsey killing a penalty. And I'm like, what? Look, try Carrick out there. He's having a great game. Or try Dermot. I don't know. If you want him to be to develop his defensive side of the game, put him out there. If the theory is that we're trying to develop the defensive aspects of why aren't, why aren't the star young players killing penalties? You're telling me that William Nylander or Mitch Marner or Austin Matthews couldn't kill Maybe. a penalty? Maybe. And I, I can, so if the argument is that he's using the veteran players or we're playing this style to teach defense and teach how to be responsible and play a 200 foot game and two way game or however you want to put it, then why aren't the young players getting the chances to show that they're learning? Maybe it's, uh, they're... Maybe it's, you know, they're new at their job, and maybe the thought process is, okay, you guys aren't ready for the advanced cashier codes yet. We're just going to have these older guys keep uh, doing the returns, and, uh, you know, next year, well, then we'll let you do that next year. Maybe that's, maybe they're just telling them, don't worry about it, you're not there yet. It's just an interest, it's just one of the, uh, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's okay. Like, I don't have a problem with veteran guys getting PK time and getting minutes as long as they're earning them. I just don't want people to say, well, we're playing this style so they can learn to play defense when the young guys aren't getting the opportunities that would actually teach them where they're making mistakes. Well, maybe it's kind of like how last year when Babcock just wouldn't play Riley on the power play. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe it's the exact same thing, where he's just kind of said, no, you know, uh, be a real good player, and uh, you don't have to worry about uh, killing penalties. You know, that's, uh, it's not there yet. So just uh, go out and focus on uh, these things we want you to improve on, and then we'll put a little bit uh, more on your plate later, so you can go and be a real good pro. But but for now, don't uh, put too much on your plate. So let's get to the actual game. Maybe that's it. Because... <laughs> so let's avoid that Let's just talk thing. about the actual game. So, Monday... 
the Leafs played the the Colorado Avalanche and Jonathan Bernier, and um, they lost. And the Patriots showed up and won. <laughs> I think I think what Ronson might be referring to <laughs> is the uh, the Matthews non goal. Uh, but what we did get out of that game is one of the maybe one of the greatest moments I, in this season, which is on Matthews' subsequent goal when he scored for real, quote unquote, this time. He points to the net, and there's this picture of him and the ref both pointing at the net at the same time, and it's just great. And it's just like it was just Matthews being sassy. I love sassy Matthews. And that ref was so butthurt about it when he was calling the game last night against Chicago, he decided to call the goal on Anderson fair. Same guy. So obviously he's biased, and obviously he's decided that he didn't like how Matthews made him look by pointing at the net, so he decided to take it out on the Leafs. And that's fact. I have. I don't care okay, what you so say. Controversial, controversial opinion time. This might be a hot take. Um, I think the refs got the call last night correct. And the one on Monday wrong. How was Anderson supposed to stop that goal last he, night when that Blackhawks forward had his knee in his back? He wouldn't have been able to stop it anyways. He was out of position. The guy put it above his glove, between his glove and the post, and he wasn't going to get there even if Polak hadn't tried to push. Okay, first of all, Polak tries to push the the Blackhawks player onto his goalie. He misses. The guy falls onto the goalie anyways. Then the goalie who's already laying on his belly and there's no chance he's getting back in position for that puck. So the the player falling on him looks terrible, but it doesn't actually impact his ability to get over because he wasn't going to be able to get over anyways. Having said mm. that, the goal on Monday should have counted. So, I mean... it's. Like, why aren't more people freaking out at the fact that it was the exact same referee? Because it's a... Okay, if it was the... Ex, if That's the thing about goalie interference calls, is they're all different. We talk... People are talking about consistency and they want to see consistency. But no two calls are the same. They might be similar, and these two are very different. So one, um, the first one on Monday, Bernier's moving from his left to his right to try and go from to follow the pass across right yeah. essentially and the argument is that Matthews stopped his ability from moving properly and the puck squeaked through him because of that which i don't really think that's what happened i think he just let the puck the puck just made its way through him and Matthews didn't really have too much to do with that and then Matthews just reaches around him and taps it in, which is fine. I think that should be a good goal. Yeah. Okay. Not, the, not the, to mention the fact that... The second that, goal... Well, sidebar, before we get to the second goal, there was goal 1.5. The Rogue One of goals, where William Carlson, for the Knights, scored the friggin' exact same goal that Matthews did, not interference. It was... Well, that's what I'm saying. That goal should have counted. What I'm saying is the goal against Chicago also should have counted because it. But people are like, well, this one, why Why is this? Well, they're different situations. You have to look. The actual rule is way too vague to, for. first of all, it's way too much interpretation. So there's two things that I don't like about goal, the goalie inter, interference rule and reviews. One, the same ref that called it originally is reviewing it. 
So chances are, unless he completely missed something happening, he's probably going to upkeep his original call, right? Like, no way am I going to, 10 seconds after I, I decide something, I'm going to look at it and go, you know what? I was completely wrong. You're right. Overturn it, please. So I think the, the goaltender interference, because it's such a judgment call, needs to be not just the refs on the ice, but also needs to be in conjunction with someone from the league who's unbiased, who hasn't just made the original call. Not to Go say that to the, the ref who made the call shouldn't have input and say, this is what I saw. No, because and we secondly, have cameras. secondly, I don't like... We don't need, we don't, why do we care what the ref says he saw? Because they're clearly biased individuals, so... Okay. Go to the... Go to, not... Why don't we go to Toronto anymore? Why don't we go to, you know... Oh, we're going to have to call Toronto on this one. Go to the war room and do that. Because it was proven with the Dennis Weidman situation on Calgary when he decked the ref, and the refs didn't like how the league handled it, so they stopped calling penalties against Calgary. That was proof, like fact. The fact you can't argue that. They, it's, they but they still it. go to. They still do that for things that are clear cut, like things like is the puck over the line or not. That's decided by the video review because that's easy. It's either across the line or it isn't. Yes. With goalie interference, it's like, is did he? Imp- the the rule's too vague. That's what I'm saying. Like the rule is, it stops the goalie from being able to do his job, which is like ridiculous. It should be impedes the movement of the goalie or impedes the goalie from stopping a puck. Yeah. Or even, like... I saw, actually, I saw another thing that I really agreed with, and it was somewhere on Twitter Twitter land, where they said if the goal... If if they can't tell within two minutes whether it's goaltender interference or not, it's no goal or a goal. Call them the ice stands. Do you know, like if it's if... but that's the problem is that see you you would like that when it's Matthew scoring but you wouldn't like that very much when it's but if it's I think it would be more fair if there I was think a that, time limit I think on that's the review more standing for for offside I think that's more an offside thing where it's like I can't tell if he's offside I've looked at it for two minutes okay he wasn't offside then yeah I think goaltender interference. Because the way the because the rule is so this is what I saw this is what I think happened it's not cut and dry right it's very up to interpretation which is why I think you need more than one person deciding whether it's a goal or not you need to have you need to have the ref's input this is what I saw at ice level because the camera can't always show what he saw yeah two you need someone from the NHL saying okay well this is what the video is showing. And we can watch it in slow-mo. Are you sure you, like, are you sure, okay, what's your reasoning? How do you interpret the rule in this case? What if, what if, what if, hold on, wait, can I just interject one thing? The NFL doesn't get anything right, except for the fact that all scoring plays are reviewed. So why not do that in hockey? Get rid of the coach's challenge for offside, because that's a waste of time. Because if it's a millimeter or an inch offside, and they argue about it for five minutes, that's not helpful. So just make it. All scoring plays are reviewed, have a committee in some super room in some place off-site, and quickly review every every goal. Take it out of the ref's hands, take but, it out okay, of so the coach's hands, and just review every play. That's good. 
So you want a review after every goal? So you want five reviews a game? No, no, it doesn't have to be like where where you have to call the refs over and say, okay, no, we can't start the game no, again. No, you can. Yet. First, we have to take two minutes. No, you can't start the game because if it's if it's not a goal, then you start in a different place than if it is a goal. So you got to wait till they review it. Well, it like, and they got to look for offside. They got to look for goaltender interference. They got to look that for can be kicking the puck. They got to look for all can, these things. That no, can be done super quickly. It sounds great in practice. But you know what they're looking for in the NFL? Did the ball cross the plane? Did he take the? If he caught it, did he carry it all the way to the, down to the ground? And was there was his feet inbound? Which you can generally tell in like one viewing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah you can good. do that in offside. If it's close, it's a goal. If it's not close, it's not a goal. Have one person per See, game. But that's. But the point of offside review is that you get it right and. What they need to do is change the rules, not the review but the fact, process. But like, if it's an inch off... The problem is so, the rules. Like, if it's exactly an inch offside it, at such a fast game, that's too quick to tell. So, then... How about they just get rid of offsides? Yeah, that would be fine. There's a simple rule yeah. change for you. Get rid of offsides. It's just... I, I'm. How about... If the guy's in the crease, you can't score yep. a goal. Yeah. But then again, you get close to that Buffalo rule where the foot in the crease thing, which was baloney. See, but, okay, but now we have coaches' challenges so they could challenge that, and then it wouldn't have been a call to goal. And they still goal. screw it up. But they still screw it up. Yeah, but foot in the crease is a clear, is his foot in the crease? Is, if it is or isn't. There's no, there's no like, well, did he impede the goalie? I mean, he hit him, but was it, but was the goalie already like, or the goal that the Leafs got called back against Quick, where Martin runs into Quick and then Quick has like five seconds to get back in position, they score, and then they're like, no goal, he hit him ten seconds ago. That's so interpretive. Whereas yeah. foot in the crease is like, it's it's black and white. Is the puck in the net or isn't the puck in the net? Is the foot in the crease or isn't in the crease? Easy. Boom. Then you'll have less goalies getting run because less guys will be in the crease. Well, don't get me started on goaltending injuries and how stupid it is that you're allowed to be in the crease. But I'm a goalie, so that is... I'm still... Yeah. I'm still not over... You know what? I think my anger in this started with the with the, the Calgary situation where refs stopped calling penalties against Calgary and they proved it and then nothing happened. And this is the same bloody thing. The same ref well, from the, two the nights problem ago is we never was hear calling about, last night's game. We never hear about ref discipline, right? My understanding is that ref discipline comes in the form of taking away playoff games. Right. Which but, I mean, doesn't... but we don't hear about it. We don't get a you know, we don't get a a video from the league saying, This ref messed up, so we took away two playoff games. Like we we should get ref suspension videos. Like, this ref here, he effed up Royal. So, as a result, he won't be in the playoffs this year. You know what? That would probably make people a lot happier, wouldn't it? Well, you can't... Like, the league's never going to do that, and it completely makes sense. But there needs to be some form of accountability for these bad calls. Like, you can't have... The league can't protect itself by not the doing The NBA apologizes if a ref makes a mistake in the last minute of the game. The NBA actually does this. They go, these refs messed up. I mean, it doesn't change the fact that the game was still lost. But at least we acknowledge that, like, our refs aren't perfect and they, Just, they messed up we, here. 
Just you could do it. Just get rid the of NHL's review. just stubborn. Just get rid of it. Just get rid of review. They're never going to do because that. It's it's in now. There there's the thing with human error and the other thing with human bias. So, what you gonna do? Right. Okay, so I think we covered um, refs pretty well. Now. It's the same guy from the last two games. It's the same guy. Okay, so let's talk about. You can look some his of... name up. <laughs> but get... they won the game anyway. <laughs> they won last night. Yeah, how about? And they probably would have gotten a point in against Colorado if the Matthews goal had counted. Anyways, Matthews and Nylander look. So, I I have I have some notes. So other than on <laughs> this is gonna sound bad, but other than on the game-winning goal for the Colorado Avalanche. I thought Dermott and Austin Matthews and William, ne- well, William Nylander was involved in that play. But they had really good games. And I thought Carrick and Dermott looked really, really good together uh, yes, on Monday. Yes, I completely agree. And then um, almost immediately on Saturday, because the Leafs didn't start well. on or Not Saturday, yesterday. Yesterday was Wednesday, Alex. It's it's Thursday today. Good, good. We know the days of the week. Um Yesterday, the Leafs had kind of a rough start to the game, and immediately, Dermot and Carrick are broken up. Um, and But they still... I thought Dermot had a good game last night. I didn't see him no. very much in the third period. But I thought he played really well. He had he lifted Patrick yep, Sharp no above his head like a trophy. Um, and he made that diving breakup of that semi-breakaway, which was just amazing. Yep. And I'm like... Yes, that's that's what getting back Correct. is. You're covering for your defense partner, but you know Roman Polak was out there against Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze with less than two minutes left in the game, so that wasn't scary at all. Nope. No. How many times did they show Taves yanking down Matthews, and how many times did Paul Romanuk say, "Oh, that's a real veteran move there"? No, that's a real penalty there. How about let's talk about that? That's not a veteran move. That's a. If you go out on the street and you slap somebody, that's not a veteran move. That's an offense. Like, Sportsnet is bad sometimes. What was what was nice was um, Marner, Kadri, and uh, Marlowe last night. They they were pretty good. Who would have thought? They were pretty good. The uh, state. That line combined for 17 shots last night of the Leafs' 36 shots. That's Yeah, that's insane. They were so good. <laughs> Did you see the gif, of, uh, the gif of Marner jumping with glee yeah, after the... and joy after they won the game? That yep. was something else because that's how we all felt. That's exactly how we all felt. And part of me was like, hey, hey, where's the ref? Is he pointing at the net, please? There was, there was quite a few um, jokes on Twitter last night of like, hold on, the Leafs haven't won yet. They have to review this goal. And I I was kind of like... Yeah, that makes sense. And like 20 people made the same joke, and I'm like, okay. That's, I, I guess. Uh, I guarantee you, I guarantee you Shanahan slash Babcock slash Lou have called the league about the last two games this morning. Guaranteed. That's like... It is what it is. I mean, you're gonna have calls go for and against you. It's, it'll even out. I'm sure. Like, it is what it is. I mean, as I said, it's 
So, it, it's weird that it's the same ref, but they're to two totally different situations. Uh, people sometimes ask Mike Babcock not great questions. Uh, I don't know if... I I think you, you heard this. Uh, someone asked uh, Mike Babcock, what did you think of the end of that game? You mean winning? To which he responded, you mean winning? Yeah, I like winning. And I... It, it kind of, I sat there and went, like, why would you ask him that? Because yeah, Mike is, was Babcock is one of those coaches where, like, if you ask him a good question, he'll give you a good answer. If you ask him a dumb question, he won't give you a good answer. He'll just be like, yeah, no, I don't like it. But you know what? Some, yeah. like he, there was one oh. occasion this year yeah, where good. he he came out and he apologized to the media for being, quote, unquote, an ass the night before. And there are sometimes when you hear a reporter asking them a question, you feel bad for the reporter because, like, yeah, it was a softball question, but there's no need to be a dick about it. You know, some like, sometimes I kind of, I'm on both sides of this one. Do you know what I mean? Okay, so here's, here's what that person should have asked Mike Babcock, okay? He should have said, Mike, what did you think of the overtime or Mike what did you think of Nylander's penalty shot or Mike what did you think of the decision by or did you guys draw up that play or did the players just read and react to what the Blackhawks were doing in overtime yeah he should have added I guarantee you he would have gotten a better answer if he'd asked any of those specificity. questions then what did you think of the ending of that game specificity yeah but not too specific because we all know there's there's two types of sports questions, okay? There's the ones like that one that are way too simple and bag, and then there's the other ones where the guy asking the question talks for like a solid minute before he asks the question. Yep. Completely fact. And then at at the end of the the essay of question, the the person's like, "Yep" or "Nope." And you're like, great, so we now have a clip of you talking for a minute and the person you're interviewing going, yep, or no. Good, that's useful, thank you. I would love to put, I would love to put, just to see what would happen, a room full of rookie reporters with Greg Popovich, Bill Belichick, and Mike Babcock. Just ask him questions. Well, I mean, you might as well just, just don't bother asking anything of Bill Belichick, it's just terrible. Okay, okay I'll be Bill. I'll so be this Bill, is a, you be obviously the reporter. Obviously, this, this is a hockey podcast. No, no, no. Let's do this. I'll be Bill, you be the reporter. Okay. So, like, um, go as basic as you Mr. can. Mr. Like, it doesn't even have to be football. So, Mr. Belichick, uh, do, you, do you think Gronk is going to play? Uh, he's in the protocol. Um, do, you, do you know how far into the protocol he is? And what stage is he at? He's he's in the protocol. What what do you have to do for protocol? Uh, I'm not a doctor. Exactly. See, the, don't. No, uh, ready here. Let's change it up. You be Belichick. I'll be the reporter. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Um, Bill, I haven't been outside yet today. I've been in here all day. Uh, I'm heading out in a minute. Should I should I bring an umbrella? I don't know. It's weather. I uh, I see you've got an orange there in your hand. Um, are you just trying to work on your fruit intake today, or? I don't eat. 
Oh. Are you a human? I coach football. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, it's like, I know it's your job and you have to go ask them questions, but I, why? It's, it's, or then, so, oh, okay. At the same, at the same time, at the same time, asking a coach about a player who is dealing with a concussion and is in concussion protocol, there's no way you're going to get answers, especially in a playoff scenario. So, again, kind of dumb for asking, but he's kind of a jackass for answering the way he did. Yeah, he could have been like, oh, well, I shouldn't, I don't want to answer that because I'm not sure, or he's, he just, he's, he's just the way he is. I mean, he has the personality of a bum wart. A bum so, wart. So we're coming up on the unofficial halfway <laughs> mark of the, of the NHL season. It's the all-star game this weekend. So let's talk about some of the biggest surprises and biggest disappointments of the season so far, which I think will have pretty similar answers, but I don't know. So what's your All biggest right. surprise of the um, season so far? Can we can we not say Vegas because that's too obvious? I know that's what I said if you're not if you don't say Vegas, you're you're lying. So I put but Colorado's also making a push for most surprising um, with their recent play. Jonathan Bernier coming out of nowhere, looking like a number one goalie. Uh, Nathan McKinnon not really coming out of nowhere, but, I mean, I didn't really expect him to be second in the league in scoring. And I didn't really expect Colorado to be in a playoff spot halfway through the year. Yeah, So, I I'm, think Colorado, after Vegas, is, like, the second most surprising um, um, are you team. Uh, if you think long and hard in a very quick, immediate time, are you surprised about Edmonton? I was going to say, I'm, they're my disappointment. <laughs> yeah, but you can be disappointed and not surprised at the same time. That's true. Um, I'm, a, I'm a little surprised. I'm, uh, I'm going to put Winnipeg up I, there as I a didn't... surprise because they're, they're very, very good. and uh, They are, and not the goaltender that we expected them to be using at this point of the season. No, but that's or how Winnipeg was going to do it, right? I don't know. It's it's kind of weird to me how valuable goaltenders are in the NHL, and yet how little value they're given on the trade market or in free agency or in contracts. Like because literally you cannot win without a good goaltender. Yet goaltenders are often traded for like third round picks, fourth round picks. Oh, he's on waivers. Like yeah, Malcolm Subban's on waivers. Calvin Picker was traded for like a conditional pick, or sorry, it was a sixth round pick and a yeah. And Oscar Lindbergh, because the contracts had to work out. But literally, the Leafs wanted to claim him on waivers and then went, oh, we're at 50 contracts. Okay, yeah. we better trade a contract for him. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you can pick up a goaltender anywhere, but then if you don't have one, you're look at the look at the Canes. Look how good the Hurricanes are. Yes. Except for their goaltender. Okay, so let's trade one of our Sparks or our Picard for one of the defense. Huh? I okay so actually you know does Travis Dermott the New York Rangers should trade Henrik Lundqvist to the Hurricanes? Whoa. Okay. Because a Henrik Lundqvist deserves better than what New York is throwing out there. Does he though? He's kind of a temper child. Well, wouldn't you be if you were that good 
and the rest of your team was that bad for the whole your entire career? Wouldn't at this point you yeah, be but- like, I'm one of the best goaltenders maybe of all time. I've never I've never Ooh, won I anything. Go that far. I said maybe of all time. Okay, all right, all right. I'll stand. I'll Look, okay. I'll allow a go, maybe. Go check on his save percentage, and come back to me. Okay. 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 Move on. Anyway, okay. And, uh, Not worth arguing. And I've right never. Now. And I won't. And he'll never be in the discussion because he's never won a cup. Yep. You know what I mean? Like fair. So we'll take when we when we discuss great players, as much as numbers and count for a lot of that discussion it all like it always comes down to the tiebreakers championships you know yes it does why There's do you think Kessel a hall of famer because he's got two consecutive stanley cups and a whole bunch of goals he wouldn't he definitely wouldn't have been in the discussion before the last two years but now he's got two cups well yeah. wow well, he's got two cups well i mean and he's got look at the numbers too the numbers back it up look how many goals he scored look how consistent he's been look how many games he played you know exactly, but you start with he's got two cups. Except but he's got argument, two cups. The, the argument, though, it has to have the and then what? Because Chris Kunitz has four right now, and right, but well, he doesn't have the numbers that Kessel does. Okay, so Mark Andre Fleury versus Henrik Lundqvist. Who you, who would you rather have? Mark Andre Fleury. Okay, not right now, but like if you if oh. you went. <laughs> You had to choose between these two guys' numbers, not win- not winning championships. These two guys' numbers. Yeah. Like, this player on your team for his entire career, who would you take? Because I know who I'm taking. Um, hmm. I'm not taking Flurry. Yeah, I, I guess Lundqvist is, is where you... I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Flurry's had some all-over-the-place-ness. And Lundqvist is usually pretty money in the playoffs. How many cups do you think Lundqvist has if he has Crosby and Malkin on his team? At least one. I'm guessing his. I'm guessing his hand is full. Really? Think about that's, some of the Pittsburgh teams five. that lost in the first round of Philadelphia. Imagine they had Henrik Lundqvist instead yeah, sure. of garbage time Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, he no offense really... to Fleury, who turned it. He had a couple stinky years. That's he all sure I'm did. That was very he nice of you around, to call them. But stinky. he had a couple. <laughs> he had a couple stinky years. Um, like so we were talking that... about biggest disappointments, and then we got lost on. A... So biggest disappointments at this point of the season. So hold on, can I? I'm looking at the overall standings, and I'm going to let yep. you know which one really actually surprises me. So Arizona okay. zero surprise, right? Yep. Buffalo zero surprise. Ottawa? I, I'm I a thought little... they'd be better than this, but... Eh, eh, I ha- Remember at the beginning of the year when we predicted the Atlantic and I was like, these teams are interchangeable at the bottom? Yep, pretty much. Yeah. So, Ottawa, I'm, I'm 5 out of 10 surprised. Because, like, yeah, they weren't great outside of wicked, stupid good goaltending and Eric Carlson. But you figured they'd... There you go! But you still kind of figured they wouldn't be this bad. Right. I didn't think they're. No, you're right. I wouldn't think. I didn't. I knew they were going to regress a bit, and I knew like if you told me like at the start of the year they won't get good goaltending, I've been like, well, they're f then. Exactly. Like you figured they'd be okay. You know what I mean? Like this is horrible, and you thought it would be meh. 
And then yeah. Vancouver makes but sense. But that's not a big disappointment. No. Yeah, I like... If you had asked me three weeks into the season who's one of the biggest surprises, I would have said Vancouver because they're actually looking like a team that could win a hockey game or two. Yeah. But remember, at the beginning of the year, I also said they reminded me of the Leafs that finished dead last in the league with a whole bunch of, like, okay vets that'll, like, keep them in games a little bit. And then at the end, they're still going to be at the bottom. Where are they? Oh, they're looking exactly like that, kind of. You know, they're not, you know, the product on the ice isn't unwatchable. Yeah. You go to a game, some of the games are close, they got some guys that look like they have promise, but in the end, they're going to have a top five pick, and the rebuild continues. So, I'm going to use math to explain who I think the biggest disappointment is. And I'll use this math in the form of a question, and I hope you're not looking at the standings. How How many points do you think Vancouver is behind Chicago? 16? I will give you one more guess, but you're not even close. Uh, Chicago's at 51. I know how many points Chicago has. I Seven? Is Vancouver at 44? Yes. Vancouver's I, at 44. Okay, I'm not looking at the standings. I was just like, I can't remember if... Well done. Bravo. But, like, Vancouver could ultimately pass Chicago with a hot you know, streak after the All-Star okay, game, which so, is completely possible. So you're saying Chicago's the biggest disappointment? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I predicted they would miss the playoffs they're, they're at the start bad. of the year, so they're not really that big of a disappointment for me. Well, I mean, there's missing the playoffs, and then there's like but they're, seven points above Vancouver bad. But they're also only like seven points out of the playoffs. So they're kind of right there in no man's land where it's like, you're not really like right at the bottom of the league to get a good player, and you're not really making the playoffs to make the playoffs. You're in that that I I'll call it the Calgary Flames Toronto Maple Leaf zone. Okay. Ah, yeah. The the Matt Sundin Jerome McGinley era zone where, or like right after Matt Sundin left, where you're not really good enough to make the playoffs, but you're not bad enough to 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 get anything good in the draft. So you're just gonna they're, hang they're out in, in no man's ship. land. And get shelled. Or think of it like they're they're in a, a sinking little boat, and instead of just being like "screw it, let's sink," they're like, "No, no, we'll keep, we'll yeah, keep trying you're, to bail." you're just close enough to dry land that you're like, "We can make it if we just add this guy and trade away our first round pick. We can get to land. We can do it. We can get there." And then once you're in, anything can happen. The magic of the playoffs, where anything can happen. A little eight seed can make it all the way to the Stanley Cup final and win it all. If only we just trade all our good assets for that old dude. And yeah, <laughs> and it's funny though. Like uh, Montreal, Edmonton are twenty-five, twenty-six, and Ottawa's twenty-nine, and they were all teams last year where we said. Yep, they're really good because they have one and two working very well, except three, four, and five are non-existent. And now, one and two not working so well, and it's clearly obvious. Like, Montreal, all they have is a goalie, and he's not even been very good this year. Edmonton, all they had was Connor McDavid, and he can't do it all this year because Cam Talbot's come back down to earth. And Ottawa, we've already talked about. So Hey, look, riding Cam Talbot for 60-plus games games last year was maybe a bad idea. Who would have thunk it? My hand's in the air. Ooh, maybe riding your starting goalie for 60-plus games is a bad idea. 
Toronto, maybe listen to this conversation, please. Freddie Anderson, I'm yeah. looking at you, already played like 42 games this year. Yeah. I was Ugh. I was very excited with the win last night. And then thinking we're going to get Zaitsev and Riley back with what Dermot can bring to the table. I think... Dermot has to stay, gonna... right? Even if you're playing him on the third pairing. He's played yeah. too well. Do, do you think the Leafs have a shot at uh, second in the division now? Mm, well, Tampa's gonna Tampa's falling back a little bit because they're getting injured, but Boston's really chugging along. So I don't. I don't Wait, that can't last. That can't last. There's no way Boston stays this good for the rest of the season, and there's no way Toronto doesn't get better to finish the season. I mean, I'm not crazy hope. sold on the idea. Yeah. I'm not crazy sold on the fact that Toronto's could maybe finish in second, but I think you could still ask the question, right? It's it's still very possible that they could finish second if the right things happen. I think yeah. the way I've seen them play over the last couple months, now it's been better this week. I've really liked the way they played in the third period on Saturday. I yeah. like the way they played against the Avalanche, even though they lost that game. I think there was a lot of good things. I re- there's times you know, where they got outplayed you know by that... Chicago, but I liked the line combinations. I liked what they're doing, and I think they played a much more, like, they played a more up-tempo style against Chicago than they had been playing, and they need to do that to win because that's how they create offense, and that's how they score goals. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think they've turned the corner, and I think when they get healthier, that it's not going to be a problem because... Like, Riley Zeitz have come back. That's just going to limit our Polak time. Right? You're being positive. And remember what happened when you were positive last Thursday? Yep. Yep, I do. <laughs> oh. The eternal optimist is returned. But I don't know. I figure... And also, it's a young team full of players who grew into the positions they're in now, idolizing and watching the Blackhawks constantly win. And the fact that we've beat them twice this year, I think for that team, they're just going to, I think they're going to use that as a high. Because like, when Black you look Hawks at. Blackhawks aren't very good, though. Yeah, but still beating. We them, just talked about how the Blackhawks aren't very good. No, that's like. That's, I, that's, not, what, that's not what I'm we saying. We beat 30 year old Jeff Glass last night, everybody. Good job. But I think for, for, the, for the Leafs, who were all probably 15, 16 when Taves and Kane kind of took over the league, and they very clearly and oh, audibly I mean, idolized them. Matthews idolizes Jonathan Taves. Said it, he said it himself in interviews. So he went head-to-head with him twice and this year. And I think with young players, confidence is something that makes or breaks a game. You know what I mean? Like an older player, maybe they've had a bit of a down stretch. Eh, they'll, they'll kind of find a way to be better. But with a young player, you add a little bit of confidence, and they're going to be a lot better for four or five games than... You know, it's a multiplier effect on either side. Well, let's hope that winning two of their last three games gives them some confidence going... I mean, it's going to be a tough game tonight, right? You got, you're got you going on the road to Dallas, back-to-back. You you got McElhaney and that. Anderson's been so good lately. Yeah. It's going to be a tough game for them. So, I'm not... I'm not gonna put. I'm not gonna get my hopes up too much for a win, but I hope they play well. That's what I'm hoping for tonight. Play well. Just I think they're gonna. You know, I think the confidence that they got from beating Chicago is gonna kind of give them a bit of gas because pick them up. They a have bit. to. They have to fly to Dallas, and Dallas Chicago isn't that close. So 
Um, and I hope they're not like, oh, we get a break after this. Let's, uh... Well, I think we've already... Let's think about vacation. Well, they've already kind of had their bye week, so I think they've already got that out of their system. They know better because they came back, you know, on the... Let's hope so. Yeah, theoretically. All right. But that's... Let's play Who's That Leaf. Oh, hold on. Can we... Let's play Who's That Leaf. Uh, real quick, before we get there, uh, we were talking about the Bruins, and I wanted to try and bring this up before we change subject. Uh, Brad Marchand, five games. That's way too few, right? No, it's fine. Mm, I would have given him 10, personally. It was incidental. Mm, it was incidental on purpose. The only reason he, the only reason he got five is because he has a history. Mm, I completely disagree. And Johansson's hurt. I, I would have given him way more. His biggest punishment is he has to go to the All-Star game still <laughs> and listen to Kit Rock. So. Yeah, but that's like, oh, darn, he probably has to go and enjoy something he enjoys. Eh. Do a lot of NHL players enjoy the All-Star game? No, I mean Kid Rock. I feel like they don't. I, I, I was... Oh, yeah, he probably... I definitely enjoys Kid yeah. Rock, yeah. Like, I can definitely see Brad Marchand, that big nose of his, bobbing up and down to Cowboy. <laughs> Smelling the hot dogs. All right, uh... let's play Who's That Leaf? The, okay. The game show that is swiffering the nation. Who's Swiffering. That leaf? Uh, all right. Are you ready to play, Ronson? Uh, yeah. All right. This player won three Memorial Cups with Kamloops. Three Memorial Cups with Kamloops. Yep. So it's been a bit. Uh... I will say that those those Kamloops Memorial Cups were in the early 90s. There's actually only three players that were on all three teams. Al Gill. That is incorrect, but uh, I th that seems like that's kind of like the right era. Uh, he was drafted by Montreal, but is most known for his time as a Leaf. He played the most games with the Leafs. He played over 500 games with the Leafs. That's a bonus. little trivia question there. Um, hmm. Drafted. The only Maple Leaf I can think of that was drafted by Montreal is Grabowski, and that's, that's not probably not. That's no. That's not my answer. <laughs> okay, that's not your answer. But that's the only one you can think. That's not my. That was the only one that was coming to mind. Um, yeah. No, I I can see where you're going there because that's the first person I think of when someone says he was drafted by Montreal but played for the Leafs. Yeah. Um, okay, let's think, let's think, let's think. Can I have a, a medium hint before I answer? You know, not the next official clue, but, like, the uh, trailer for the next clue. I'll say he was a fan favorite here. Darcy Tucker. Yep! There we go. I am so, genius. Uh, there you go, you got after two clues this time. Well, two and a half. I'll give you two and a half. Uh... He was traded to the Leafs in 2000 and would play here for eight years. The next clue was going to be he was bought out by the Leafs. And the final clue, which I'm pretty sure you would have gotten it after this, was he is infamous in Long Island for blowing out Michael Pekka's knee. See, that's so funny, though, because all of those clues in some way involve Mikhail Grabowski. Drafted by Montreal, favorites in Toronto, Involves something with the Islanders, and were bought out. Mikhail Grabowski, he definitely would not have played in Kamloops. 
No, exactly. But I think that immediately takes Grabowski out of the question. But every other clue is what I'm saying, Brooksy. <laughs> That's true. He was bought out by the Leafs. And ended up in And now Maryland. he's a Vegas Golden Knight. Now he's a Vegas Golden Knight. <laughs> no, but I mean, he did kind of. end up in some way related to the Islanders because he and Grabo went to the That's yeah. true, yeah. So, yep. how the world turns quite. Uh, if ye- I would invite people to send in who they want us to play who's that Leaf. Maybe send it to Ronson at Ronson1313 on Twitter or to myself at Alex underscore Cooper 89. Tell us who you want, who's that leaf to be next week. And uh, maybe Ronson will, uh, will test my leafs knowledge next week because um, he's probably getting sick and tired of me questioning. I'm not questioning your leaf fandom. I'm just testing your leaf fandom. Testing's different than questioning. Gently, pr- gently it's prodding. Trivia. Okay, hold on. Last time I made one. Last time I made one up on the fly for Matt's chunk. Which two. okay, so I went to go look for that commercial on YouTube. I cannot find it, but I know it exists. I know it exists. Okay, so that's gonna be my mission. Okay, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Um, hmm. Um, Maybe you should prepare one next time. This is great. Just in, so we can each I each do one. Should. Maybe we should just do it that way. We should each have one each. This is, this is, yeah. Okay. So that we're not making it up on the fly every time. Or, and by uh, we're not, I mean, yeah. you're not making it up on the fly every time. And then I'm not having to, yeah. you know, keep talking as you try and come up with clues for me to think of about a player, which I'm doing right now. Did you know you could go to, and it's not working. Did you know you could go to all <laughs> nine Canes home games in February for $97? Really? Yeah, they have a spe- it's a special package, granted, but for $97 and it's American money. That's still only like $11 American for 9 NHL games. Damn. I mean, I don't want to live in the southern United States, but I kind of want to live in the southern United States just for the hockey. Yeah. Like imagine living in in Florida and being oh, able to the 1920s are money. calling. Oh, hello, Sonny. Fresh off the wire. Just a second, I gotta get the phone. Fresh off the wire, Sonny. Fresh off the wire. Fresh off the wire. You can get, you can go to nine Carolina Hurricanes games for $97. Oh my God. Oh, Even in 1920, that's ridiculous. And breaking news, the Toronto Maple Leafs have just signed hot new rookie Dave Keon, all the way from Northern Rwanda, Quebec. Stay tuned for more. Will the boys win the Stanley Cup? Let's go live now to Johnny Bauer singing... Honky the Christmas Goose. Thanks, Johnny. Take it away. Um, so have you come up with your Who's That Lee for me yet? Or have I distracted you thoroughly with my 1920s-style ringtone on my my parents' uh, house phone here? I got nothing. I cannot think of one. My Chunky okay, Soup one well, was... Was pretty good. Don't forget your Chunky Soup! That was so good. It was so I, good. I, I know it's out there, it's just not on YouTube, so I'm going to have to scour the internet and try and find this. It's got, it must exist somewhere. It exists. I just have to find it. I've just, I, I think I might have, it's got to be, it's got to be somewhere. It's got, I, I, I will try and find it for next episode. Uh, so we'll be back next week with more 
hockey talk in the driveway. Thank you for listening.